Shut up and sit down. Tonight is our night to send a message to everyone in the league. We take three points here and we go This is the 90 Plus Podcast, part of the Sports Talk Line Network. It's okay in two weeks because tonight we're getting so drunk that tomorrow we're not going to be able to play. Now, here are your hosts, Ben Rigetti and Joshua Griffith. Episode 62 of the 90 Plus Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Rigetti, as always, joined by the wonderful Joshua Griffith, celebrating his LA Rams victory over on Vancouver Island. Episode 62, not too much gone on in the last week or so. What got the one preseason game? That was a victory uh, for the boys just the other day. They're playing LA Galaxy tomorrow uh, or today or yesterday, depending on where you're listening to this. We're not going to have that conversation again. Uh, we've got a bit of a season preview for you guys. We're going to be looking at our sort of expectations for the season, some storylines, some uh, uh, club award predictions, a predicted starting 11. So this is going to be me and Josh going back and forth, just spitballing what we're hoping and expecting to see this year. Next week, we're hoping to have a, a, a much bigger show, a big full season preview. So I'm hoping you guys are sticking around for every episode, but that one's going to be a very good one as well. It's just me and Josh today. And speaking of Josh, we'll hear from him now. Josh, all the way in, it looks like sunny Vancouver Island. How are you doing, buddy? Yes, it is sunny Vancouver Island. It's been sunny for the last week. It's been really nice. It's getting into spring. And Ben, you know what that means, don't you? MLS football season (laughs) is upon us. We are so close to an opening day. We are you know, less than a week away from a blue and white inter-squad game. The the Caps, like you mentioned, will play the LA Galaxy in a closed-door match on Wednesday, February 16th. Excited to see that, and they're going to fly home. We had some great media availability, so I'm excited to jump on for episode 62 and break down what we uh, we think of the white cap season ahead of us. Perfect. So before we do get into the the big picture stuff, uh, some self-promotion, 90 Plus Podcast, you guys can find us on Twitter and Instagram at 90 Plus Podcast. Be sure to check us out there. We've got clips during the the season. I'm going to go down and grab some photos throughout games and practices and stuff. So I have some stuff going up on there as well. Uh, Clips from interviews and guests that we have on. We've got a lot of stuff going on there. Uh, Josh is at Joshua Griffith Zero on Twitter. I'm at Rigetti Ben. Um, and yeah, though we're on Spotify, Apple, Google, Anchor, Pocket Cat, we were on like seven or eight different platforms. So you really, between that and social media, you can't get away from us. Um, so <laughs> that we'll jump right into episode 62 on that note. Josh, I was unable to attend the, the media of, uh, briefing today, the availability. You were there in a nutshell. You spoke to Vanny, you spoke to uh, Jungworth. What did you hear from those guys? What impressions are you getting from down in San Diego? I'm getting the impressions that training camp is going well and kind of as planned. We got kind of a general sense from Danny Sartini just how things were going. And he said, it's been nice. It's been broken down into two phases with the team training in Vancouver. The team really getting up to the fitness levels, the, the competitive levels, getting rid of injuries, working on any of those things when they were in. In Vancouver, it was kind of more lighter. 
they were, but they were really focusing on, on fitness. He said they were doing the morning practices and then everyone else was doing a separate workout in the afternoon to, to raise those fitness levels. And then he, he mentioned the second phase being down in San Diego and everything's more competitive. It, it's a match every three games. Well, they're, you know, only against San Diego Loyal and, and some other teams. The, the match against the San Diego Loyal was, was a great tune-up because it was in front of actually a pretty ruckus crowd. Yeah, I was at surprised their, at, at the number that, that was that was out there. <laughs> they were, and too, the, the San Diego Loyal social media were really hyping it up as a big preseason game for them. And of course, when you, you know, when you have a big MLS side like the Whitecaps coming to your pitch in front of your home fans, you know, you're really going to sell it. You kind of mentioned that. I was just... They're really building up and working towards that February 26th season opener against the Columbus crew. And, you know, it's, it's, you know, you mentioned that it's closer on the horizon than you think. It's uh, less than two weeks away uh, now from the day of recording. Last little touch-ups for Vanny Sartini. He's gone through three preseason games now. He's got the one left against the LA Galaxy, who just released their beautiful new home kit. Um, I was under the slight impression that the Whitecaps are supposed to be releasing their away kit today. Um, however, nothing has come out from that, and I won't say any more on it. I have seen it. It's quite nice looking, um, but I, that's as far as I'll go. Um but yeah, no, it's it, the preseason's winding down. The regular season's ramping up. You've got a couple of tough, tricky games. You've got Columbus, you've got New York City to open up. One last chance. And it's your first game against MLS opposition. You're going to be playing guys that, you know, they will face in the regular season, both home and away. They're playing guys with league experience. They're playing players with DPs who have gone on played in Europe and uh, high, down in Mexico and everything else at the LA players have gone and done a star-sided roster for them. It is, this isn't the San Diego Loyal anymore. So one last chance uh, for Sartini to really test his men and kind of experiment with anything he wants, really, before we get into the real deal. And do you think we're going to see any more experimenting? Because it kind of looks like Vanny Sartini and the Whitecaps have locked on that 3-1-4-2 formation. I would... The formation, I think we're not going to see change. And I really hope not because that's what I've got written down for my predicted starting 11 <laughs> coming up. So I, I hope for, for my sake, they don't change it. But you think um, we might see some, some, maybe some change in personnel? Uh, I would say so. I think you look at the defense, uh, you know, you've got Ranko, Flo, Godoy, Blackman, Nowinski, Brown can play center back as well. You've got uh, some of the, the younger guys down there as well, Campania, Faccarini. I think there's three center back spots. There's seven or eight guys vying for some sort of MLS roster, you know, first team time, whether that's the younger guys trying to get their foot in the door, whether that's players like Godoy and Ranko trying to hold down a starting spot. Uh, you've got Javane Brown, who's a youngster. You've got Tristan Blackman, who's new to the team. A lot of guys really trying to get competitive. And, you know, like uh, Flo mentioned it uh, in the media availability, said that uh, there's a lot of competition, but that's good. It, it raises everyone's game. I think along the back line, we could see that. Uh, plus up front as well. Uh, I think a lot of people are expecting some sort of Cavallini and White combo up front for the to be this leading strike force in the season. 
whether they use this game as a full 90-minute run-in for those guys to really work against an MLS defense and see how they interact, or whether it's Simon Betcher and David Egbo kind of getting their licks in and see, okay, how far off first-team level are they? Are they closer than we think? I think center-backs and strikers, we could see a bit of rotation and maybe not completely what we would see in a standard MLS roster, but going kind of across the, the middle of the park, the Awusus, the Golds, the Dahomeys, I would say that's going to be relatively uh, standard, at least for uh, the Galaxy game. Going into the season, <laughs> no one knows what's going on in Danny Sartini's mind. Well, I think that I would agree with you on going into the Galaxy game with, with that kind of a rotation. But Vanny Sartini kind of alluded to it on Media Tuesday when he mentioned, you know, I asked him the, the question about him liking the 3142 formation. And he went on a little bit and then he mentioned, you know, Josh, you know, I don't run just a starting 11, I run a starting 20. And you mentioned seven players in the center back. Well, he mentioned six or seven players in midfield, including Michael Baldissimo, Kyle mm-hmm. Alexandre, obviously going through some visa issues right now, won't be able to join. Can uh, for matches up in Canada right now, we'll remain down in the U.S. for the time being. Hopefully we can update you on that situation as it comes. But he mentioned six or seven players in the midfield. Uh, Leonard Owusu, another one. Yep. Uh, Pedro Vite. Yeah. And then also, too, you mentioned six or seven players up top. And there's 20, 21, 22 players with the goalkeeper. So I, I think that we're really going to see a lot of squad rotation and just whoever is going to be the one to bring it each and every week i wouldn't be surprised as well the one position we left off that kind of list is the goalkeeping situation we know what thomas assault can do we know he will be a day one starter Rawls right now he's still on a uh, a, a, a trialist uh role in the in the in the preseason spot you know they've got they signed isaac bomer uh, Max Anker, the, the guy coming out of the academy, uh, you know, Vanny's very familiar with him. Rawls is a big question mark right now. And with Evan Newton being loaned out, I think this might be one of the last chances, uh, even if Rawls signed to the, the, the team and he is the, the guy to back up us all. I think this may be one of the, the only times you get to see Rawls in a full 90-minute 11v11 game. So I wouldn't be surprised if he's the starting man just to kind of see even in a small sample size of what he's able to do against an MLS roster and with an MLS roster in front of him as well. That is curious that you mentioned that because yeah, we are looking at all of this healthy competition between the the center backs and the midfields and and the strikers and and what we could possibly see interchanging from them. But one of the things that we kind of almost threw to the wayside after Maxine Grapova left was the fact that Thomas Assal is just going to take over as the number one. But we didn't really touch on who would be the possible number two for the Vancouver Whitecaps. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, Max Anker, he's done a lot of great work with the academy. I love that they brought up some academy players with them down at San Diego. That obviously just motivates them going forward if they're, if they're not getting minutes on the, the big squad. But I, I don't think Max Anker's that number two. And then you just mentioned, the, you know, the MLS pedigree that, that Rawls has in do you think that we might see maybe a move still from the Vancouver Whitecaps to bring in and try and solidify that goalkeeper position? I, I do. And I mentioned this uh, right when the news uh, broke with Rawls. Um, just, I think Thomas Assault at this point, it's very safe to say he's the number one. And I was, 
I kind of mentioned that I was hoping to see more competition for the number one spot with Thomas Assault. Mm-hmm. Rawls is a safety net. He's going to be fighting with the young guys with Bomer. And if Anchor is able to get promoted up and he's able to see some sort of action uh, down in San Diego, I think there's much more of a competition for, you know, knock on wood, this doesn't happen. But if something were to happen to Thomas Assault, an injury, I can't see it, but a suspension, you know, some something like that. If well, something were to happen, I, I would. I think right now the biggest battle is for the number two, and I, I would not be surprised in the slightest if the Whitecaps were to go out and bring in a number one, a, a keeper to battle with Hassel. Maybe not override him right now, just because he's been with the club for a few years. He's very well liked with by everyone around the facility but i wouldn't be surprised if they bring in a bit more competition for the number one spot rather than just kind of saying okay rawls is going to be the number two safety blanket isaac bomer can push and fight for that but we'll see what happens there i was i was really hoping for more competition for the starting goalkeeper spot and rawls just isn't providing that so as kind of looking at the goalkeeping situation i wouldn't be surprised in if anything i'm encouraging the whitecaps to go out and get thomas Assault some first level competition well you have to at this point right like mm-hmm. you Isaac Bomber, again, you know, we, we, we spoke about roles. Isaac Bomber, he was on loan to Pacific FC. We've mentioned mm-hmm. in past episodes, he's had, he had one start. So he has a total of one professional start. Lots of academy time, lots of time working with Yosef Daha. We all know the benefits that that has for the goalkeeper. But yeah, we I really expected to hear about the Whitecaps bringing someone in to kind of push because... You can always send Max Anchor, Isaac Bomer. You can send them down. You can find another loan option for them. Yeah. And and Rawls, like you mentioned, he's not even signed yet. So it right now, Isaac Bomer is the backup. Yeah, they're they're one injury away from a very interesting season. Like I don't want to doubt Isaac Bomer because I love the kid and I've yeah. seen him make some spectacular saves, mm-hmm. but he's not going to take the Whitecaps to the playoffs if they have to depend on him. And I wouldn't be surprised even if Rawls is signed to some sort of one or two year deal, something cheap. I wouldn't be surprised still if uh, a bigger move is made permanent wise for the Whitecaps. Uh, again, like you say, Bomer can go out and loan. Anchor can, de- he's, st- he, I don't know what his age, but I know he's still very young. He's got plenty of time to develop and go down a similar path that Thomas Assal has gone down, you know, go through the academy, through injuries and whatever else, uh, get some first team experience. And now all of a sudden, two years after his first MLS start, he's the Whitecaps number one goalkeeper. And there's nothing stopping Isaac Bomer and Max Anchor from doing that in a couple of years time. But right now, Rawls is that safety net. There's got to be something in between that's either pushing Thomas Assault to keep his number one job or for him to try and win it back. Because right now, Tom uh, Rawls isn't doing it for me. Bomer isn't doing it for me. There's, 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 there's nowhere near enough there for me to be satisfied and say, the Whitecaps are sorted at goalkeeper right now. We can move on and we're fine to wait till the summer transfer window. So I almost feel embarrassed because on, on one of the past episodes, we were kind of like, where did Max Anchor come from? Well, he is an academy project and he has been with the club since 2017. But like you mentioned, his, his age, he is young. He is 17. 
<laughs> so I have I have reached out to to some people to find out if the club might be bringing on another goalkeeper. Maybe by the time we we wrap up this recording, we'll have some more info. If not, check back to Ben's writing on the last word on sports, or check back to Sports Talkline Network, and we might have an update for you there. Thank you, Josh. Um, so I believe that might that. Is there anything else preseason wise you want to get into before we look at the the regular season and shift our focus? I think that about wraps it up preseason. You know, we're gonna see kind of the formation change. We you know mm-hmm. we have the the battles for positions, which is great, which is healthy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm loving kind of just every aspects of, of what they're doing right now. You know, you mentioned you want us to throw together a starting eleven, and I had a lot of trouble doing it so no i'm ready to get on whatever the next topic you have lined up for episode 62 today let's go for that starting 11 because i've got one surprise in here that you're either gonna love or everyone that's listening to this is gonna bitch and complain uh to me and i'm really (laughs) like i I, like i don't think it's gonna happen but i would love to see it and i think it like is pushed come to shove it's a possibility but we'll get into that so we'll start the starting 11 um so we'll, i i did the the three one four two and then i believe from the sounds of it you went the same i did yes uh thomas is all in that i think that's a fairly easy one to go for especially given our last discussion <laughs> two minutes ago i think we can both check that off on our on our starting 11s yes um the center backs is where i had the most problem the def- the defense or the backs as tsn were to put it um I, I did have a lot of problems here. And a good, it's a good problem to have that there's so much depth and there's so much competition. As much as I love Javane Brown, he's not making the cut uh, as, as a starter. Um, but again, I've long, like long-time listeners of this podcast going back to last year know how, how highly I rate Javane Brown. Uh, so my starters, I've gone for Ranko, Flo, and Godoy across the back line. I know there's Blackman. I know there's Nowinski. But Godoy, we he he's safe. Flow is the kind of a little bit of chaos I think everyone loves, and Ranko on the ball just gives me so much confidence. So I, I those are my back three. But Blackman, Nowinski, and Brown can easily swap in and out for any of them. Okay, so at at the back three, I had Ranko, Flow, and Blackman. Okay, Again, so like you said, you've, yeah. yeah easy swap out at the back i i love godoy and i think that he's he's so strong in a back three on that right side yeah. because he he controls so much space he can get out there he can allow that wing back to not even worry about having to control that space behind because godoy's there mm-hmm. and then also his play on the ball is is surprisingly good for for a center back and actually, yeah. I, mean, I mean i would say that pretty much all around the yeah the line for for what the white caps have back there but yes i had ranko flow and blackman okay so we're we're three for four that's a good start mm-hmm. um at the holding mid the one naturally i would put kayo but with uh his recovery from injury and visa complications i do have baldy right now but i think if kayo's healthy and he's able to slot into the lineup i'm putting kayo ahead of him but a mix, and then Seb Bearhalter kind of behind the two of them. But I've got Kayo and Bolisimo kind of sharing that that holding mid spot. 
Kyle and Baldy, eh? See, now I went with Leonard Owusu. The, the, we'll get to Leo okay, in mind. Yeah, we'll get I, to Leo I in mind. Okay, but that's fair. I, I was, went yeah. with Leo because I, I really like his defending. I thought he showed that he can play in that role. He's able to, to make those quick, short passes. He's able to have that vision, but also he's just a wrecking ball out there sometimes. Yeah. And, and you need that when when people are trying to you know run down the center of the pitch. Sometimes you just need somebody like a Leonard Ouzo to just plow them over. The ref can blow the whistle and your team can reset. I, I respect that. And I, I like a Wusu there as well. And I, I think I, we're going to kind of see some interchange in the, in the midfield triangle that we, we have chosen here. So, yeah. Real, uh, so my, my wingers, my, uh, my left and right mid, right mid, I've got Dahomey. And I think Dahomey is going to be a very big key to this Whitecaps. Any, any success the Whitecaps are going to have this year, Dahomey is going to have a heavy say in it. And then here's my fun one. Left mid, Russell Tybert. Throw him out there. It's his natural position. He grew up play. Hear me out. He grew up playing left mid. Uh, he, he started his white caps days at left mid. We saw the progression he had under Vanny Sartini with moving the ball forward, being more attacking. Uh, on the ball, he looked a lot more confident. Positionally uh, wise and mentally uh, I think he, he's a very smart player. There's no denying that. He's one of the hardest working players on the team. And that's going to be so key to him bombing up and down that left side to help out whoever the left center back is. And then also get up there with White and Cavallini and Gold forward in the attack. I doubt this is going to be what we see in the Columbus <laughs> game. But in my mind, I, it, it, it makes sense. It opens up space. Um for someone coming off the bench like a Caicedo or a Vite, it allows someone like Gold or Wusu uh, or Kayo to kind of have more space and creativity in the midfield. That, I, as much as I love Tiber, I'm not going to call him creative. Um, <laughs> as efficient as he is, I, I, I think creative is pushing it. But yeah, no, I, I would love to see Tiber on that left side, whipping in crosses and coming inside to support defensively and just tracking back and forth and running hard. And he can do it. We've seen him do it at times play uh, on the outside in recent years. So that's those. And then Dahomey on the right, but those are my, uh, my, my wingers or midfielders, but it would it, be fun. I don't think it would happen, but I think it'd be fun. Well, we can check off Dahomey. I mean, I think that's pretty much uh a staple for anyone is yeah, i keep putting be. my pen away i have to keep it out i know i got mine out too <laughs> I, I have multiple colors in there for me whitecaps media so yeah <laughs> so down, back down to one uh i think we can agree on dahomey see now i have javane brown on the left oh dahomey on the oh okay or is interchange it, them yeah. interchange them i, I, think yeah. I wrote down dahomey on the left and brown yeah brown on that, the right uh, that was my my backup option Either that or Caicedo. And the reason I held off of Caicedo is defensively, I don't think he's putting in the work. And I know that one of the big things that uh, was on David Caicedo's like transfer market page. And I know it's kind of taboo to check the transfer market apparently for new players. But no, I, I think coming back and his defensive awareness, it's just something that he's going to learn and he's going to grow with. He's still young as well. He's like 22, I believe, 23, something. He's a very young player. And I just think that's going to be something that if you're not a natural defender, that's a lot of responsibility to 
control those outside channels. So I, I, I could see Brown and then I kind of almost the opposite for him offensively. I'm not sure how much he's going to be able to contribute without kind of looking a little lost and uh, deer in headlights sort of situation. But I do like that pick because I, I want to get Brown as many minutes as I can in my little imaginary football manager brain. Um, so you're, you're going <laughs> to see why I have Brown. As so I cut back. you off. I cut no, you no, off. No, Go no, ahead. No, no worries at all. <laughs> you're going to see why I have Brown as a wingback when we get to the midfield position, because I, I think oh. that with the back three, that mm-hmm. kind of provides the spacing. You know, like I mentioned, you know, if if you run a good oil or even with Ranko and Blackman, they're able to cover the wides a little bit more. Yeah. Brown can get back. He can get on his horse. So yep. can Dahomey. They, their defending is it's MLS level. You know, they're not yeah. going to do impress anyone with the defending, but they can get on their horse and they can get back. And yeah. I, I like what Brown can do with his speed down the side. And especially with some of the offensive weapons that the white caps have, I think it could provide a lot of trouble. And then why I'm not too worried about his service or him kind of getting exposed or making a mistake is because of the decisions that I made at midfield. All so right. I'll, I'll get to that. And I think that it's going Go to it. be, Baldy and Ty Bear. Okay. Okay. Baldy and Ty Bear. I like like Ty Bear in there. Mm -hmm. And Baldy, this is a discussion that me, uh, well, me, Sam, Alex, and Sam, I had this with uh, Sam uh, Rowan from the Third Sub Podcast in 86 Forever, the last time he came on the the show. And I, I mentioned the same thing. And he raised like a very good point that, kind of changed my mind on it and that was as excellent as Baldy is and his high work rate at the end of the day stat physically and stature wise he will be one of the smaller central midfielders in the league he's not quite that box-to-box player that I think that position would require and if that kind of sitting him further back in that one at that holding mid spot would allow him to kind of set his limits and kind of know what he can and can't do and excel in that. I think central mid, there's so much more that he would have to face and go through on a game by game basis that he may not have done as much practice and be all too familiar with. Um, so I, I've ever since then I've kind of, reverted Baldy back a little bit but I, I i do like the possibility if needs be to, to to move him up the field no and you would be smart to say that because the head coach fanny sartini even mentioned today that he's uh they love him as the six as a little quarterback mm-hmm. um so obviously you know with your prediction of him starting in uh in the one role there above the the center backs but i there's something about him and ty bear just playing in midfield oh, mm-hmm. and, we'll, and we'll get to my you know my forward too and everything will kind of flow Click. together but I just kind of I like the the defensive prowess and then also to they can provide service from their positions Hands for down. say maybe you know a Dahomey or a Brown that doesn't have the best crosses or, or can't provide the best service but can maybe make the run and give them space and then drop it back and you're finding Baldy you know a, a 15 yards out of the corner of the box and he's able to like put it into a cava and a white or cut it back to a Ryan gold or something like this. Like it just, it seems like the, the possibilities for attacking without 
losing anything at defense mm-hmm. could be maximized with with two players like that in the midfield. And I guess, you know, obviously I mentioned they have six or seven options. Kyle Alessandre, Kai Bear, Awusu, Baldi, Ryan Raposo. You yeah. know, the, the, the list kind of keeps going on. And I don't think Whitecaps fans have really it's sunk in for them what kind of depth this team might be able to offer this year this is very true and because we've gone through all of this without mentioning the names of pedro vite can habibula you just said ryan raposo there there's a lot of these young guys that are able to get first team minutes it's not as if they're these academy guys being brought up and it's going to take something you know very peculiar for them to find their way into the starting lineup these are guys with a who have seen the fields at a high level uh, apart from pedro vide so far uh, even like cam habibula um someone who's come off the bench late in games when the games you know he's not going to be a game changer at his age right now but with getting these five, 10 minutes when the game's already been won or lost for these young players has, is going to do a lot for them. And it's coming a lot together this season. Uh, we saw how fondly Mark DeSantos found uh, Ryan Raposo. Um, back-to-back first-round picks for the Whitecaps have been strikers out of the draft. Cam Habibula, Pedro Vite. There's a lot of these young, creative, fancy footwork players that yes they may not necessarily be day one starters right now but they're getting their minutes they're finding their legs and if called upon they can be players that can positively impact this team and then you mentioned the one name very briefly when we were talking about center backs is jake nerwinski there's another (laughs) player that can you know make an impact for the whitecaps and where exactly is he going to fit in so it as we inch closer and closer to the season I'm, I'm getting more and more excited to to see what this Whitecaps team has to offer and hey we haven't even got to the the creme de la creme uh, I haven't even finished my midfield you haven't even finished your <laughs> midfielders um, that's going to be a little bit different than mine as well so completing the midfield trio so just say Kyo's healthy and his visa sorted I've got Kyo at the, the at six the back, yep. I've got him at the one uh uh, in front of him, best buddies on the team, Ryan Gold and Leo Owusu. And his, so Ryan Gold, I don't, it's going to be very tough to leave him out of this uh, predicted 11. So I can only presume he's somewhere in the front two for you uh, yes. without, 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 without stepping on your toes. Spoiler, Le- spoiler alert, I I'm did sorry. not leave Ryan Gold out of my starting <laughs> 11. <laughs> Leo Owusu, on the other hand, I think a player that caught a lot of Whitecaps fans by surprise last year uh, with the resurgence of his performances under Vanni Sartini after being, for the most part, forgotten about under DeSantos. I think the way that he's just become A, and this helps because we see them kind of a bit more behind the scenes than a lot of fans do, him and Ryan Gold are very, very close friends. He's excelled when called upon to play higher up the fields his ability on the ball was something that has greatly developed since he was first signed in 2020 i think i was a bit disappointed with that in 2020 2021 he uh, definitely took some steps forward especially in the second half of the year i think his progressive passes uh and partnered with ryan gold and then say it is 
Dahomey and Caicedo or Dahomey and Brown, Dahomey and Tiber, whatever the, the winger situation is going to be. Those are all very energetic players that they're going to create passing options for him. He's not going to need to be the guy to take over the game. But like you mentioned with him at the six, he's a wrecking ball. He's a little bit chaotic. He's a little bit of a wild card. And you think you know what you're going to get out of him and he's going to raise the bar for himself or he's going to take it down. And I think this is a uh, a risky move, but I think A, with just his straight up partnership and friendship with Gold would be great uh, for the two of them to get along so well. He would be able to kind of sit back a little bit maybe if Gold were to push forward and they kind of switch up the formation a little bit back to that sort of uh, 4-3-1-2 that they played last year. If they need to play defensive, Wusu can sit back, Tybert can sit back, Gold can push forward and once again be that sort of link if needs be. But I think that Wusu and Gold partnership uh, and, you know, like you said, I'm neither, I didn't also leave gold out of the, <laughs> the, the lineup here, but uh, no, I've, I've got him partnered with Owusu just because, and I keep getting these flashbacks to him at the Canadian series against Montreal in that 3-1 win over Montreal playing as a number 10 for 25 minutes. And for those 25 minutes, I was blown away with, wow, he's very comfortable and he's a a lot more successful than I would have pinned him for further and further up the field than what we've typically seen him. So as a standard box to box, physical ball winning midfielder, who's able to make those passes, who's able to shoot from deep if needs be, I've got Leo Wusu with Ryan Gold. Okay. Yeah. I have no problem with that. Okay, let's that's, your, that's my X's and O's. That's your X's <laughs> and O's. And so I could probably guess your two, unless you're going to go wild card here, I can probably guess your two strikers in this formation. So why don't you just have at her, Ben? I love David Egbo, <laughs> but he hasn't cracked my starting. It's, <laughs> it's Brian White and Lucas Cavallini. Yeah. A, you can't leave out your, your golden boot winner from last season. And you've got Lucas Cavallini, who, once again, we've, we've mentioned this, you've got nothing but praise from him and all the reporters going towards his work ethic and how in shape and how in form he is. And he's hit the ground running this preseason. I think that this is a make or break year for Cavallini. I think him and Danny Sertini have had some sort of conversations along the line saying, hey, you're our DP, you've been playing. Pl- uh, plagued by injuries and then Brian White picked up a very good form out of you know something that they maybe weren't expecting it, it for me it, there's no other strike partnership that I would want to or expect to see than Brian White and Lucas Cavallini on match day one absolutely I mean there's there's no arguing with having those two up top you got your tank and you have your your newest extension signing the guy who was just phenomenal for you last season. What can we call Brian White? He is not quite a, he's not quite a tank. He's, he's like a Nissan. He's just reliable and you know what you're going to get. He's well, a he's Nissan. Kind of, he's not a tank, but he's at least an armored car. He's like an armored he's, SUV. I, 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 I would go just like a, like a, a tough SUV, like a, oh God, I'm not really a car like person. A Ford Explorer? Yeah, we'll go for the we got the tank and the Ford Explorer. The tank and the Ford Explorer. That that's what I'm getting from and Ford American. Um, that's as close as a connection as I'll go. Um, but yeah, no, we'll go we'll go with white as a Ford Explorer. 
Okay, well then, um, I obviously have Rheingold up in mm -hmm. my, my top two for this formation, and I have him with Brian White. Talk to us, Josh. Okay, Rheingold and Brian White. Brian Gold and Brian White. I've absolutely loved the chemistry that the two provided last year with just how the formation is going to go. I think we're going to see Ryan Gold drop more into a false nine position and play kind of that triangle, that loose triangle with the Baldy and the T-Bear that I have in my formation. That's going to give so much options to the speedsters out wide and Brown and Dahomey. The Whitecaps are really working on lines and instead of just throwing wild passes over and actual runs and in finding the space and exploiting gaps in the defense. And, and I think with Gall there, he's going to be able to find that and work really well off white. You know, you mentioned that he was able to, to get more upfield than we thought he, he was able to. I mean, the guy was putting in header goals like crazy. <laughs> so maybe he's somebody that you want in the box or maybe he's somebody that you want to drop into that lower position right at the top of the box and then fire one right past the goalie in amazing Golaza fashion that we all love to see. This also kind of gives Cavallini an option of coming off the bench. And if they want to bring in Cava and keep Galdon, well, they just remove a midfielder. It's like, it, it really gives them a lot of options and a lot of different looks depending on how the match is going. I, I will say that's the, the one area that I do lack is that coming off the bench disruptor. We need a goal, go get us a goal option because I'm kind of looking around on my uh, my bench players uh, on my sheet. We can, I can see it from Caicedo. True. And then, but with that, apart from Caicedo, then you're going into the likes of David Egbo and Simon Betcher who have or, no or a toss or, or, a toss. or a toss if he, if, I, again, I missed the, the availability. Was there anything coming out from that from uh, Sargini? Uh, nothing about toss, really, but I saw that uh, Alexander Gagne Ruzik reported something about he might be signed on for this year. It's all speculation as mm. of right now. And then he also might have a contract for three years after already in the Whitecaps coaching staff or office yeah. in some kind of a role as well. Yeah. So, but from how much I'm hearing Vanny Sartini praise him in, in some of the social media okay. clips that we're getting and the, the training, it looks like Toss is hustling and, and has no desire to stop playing right now. Okay. So then that would, so that would be my, my coming off the bench. We need a goal option mm -hmm. uh, because Caicedo, as great as he is and as versatile as he is, it is going to be a step down attacking wise from Calvert and White uh, out on the wing for that uh, Dahomey Brown Tiber combination. Absolutely, throw him in there to really you know create a lot of energy and pick up the work pace, uh, uh, the workload I should say. Um, but yeah, no, that is that's my starting eleven, and I think between the two of us, we've gotten very close. I think we've got one or two wild cards in there that we'd like to see. How realistic it is, that's up to Sartini, but. I want to give another thought about why I have Lucas Cavalier on the bench. Let's hear it. Okay. So obviously he's a designated player. They're paying him the big bucks. He was supposed to come on and light it up. Three goals last year. That's not good enough. Obviously he was injured. He came back. When he'd come back, he'd go on international break. 
Well, Lucas Cavallini is going to be on international break a fair bit for the Vancouver Whitecaps this year. He's also going to be playing in Canadian championship games for the Whitecaps this year. There's a lot of squad rotation that they can use. So basically, you know, if White starts one game, I don't see why Cavallini can't start the next game. And they can keep these guys fresh. They can bring them in, like I said, oh, if they need a goal, bring them in in the 65th minute. Get that, that just that hunger, that amazing goal prowess that some of these guys have and switch up a game. Lots of teams don't have the ability to bring someone like a Brian White or a Lucas Cavallini off their bench. Exactly. And that, I, I, I like that point of you, you saying that regardless of what the situation is, Lucas Cavallini is going to be getting minutes. He's not a guy yeah. fighting for his spot. You know, we, we know the role that he plays within the organization. This is where I think the Whitecaps really going to miss the presence of a Theo Bear, who that, who once again is just a different striker style than kind of both White and Cavallini. Someone who's uh, very strong in the air, who's getting better on the ball, who's able to shoot, and that isn't quite there in Egbo and Betcher and possibly Toss um, if, he, if he's brought back for another season. I do like how you mentioned Cavallini is going to be getting minutes for sure off the bench. He'll be starting some games if White needs a rest. He'll be starting Canadian Championship games. He's going to be playing with Canada. So the opportunities are there for Cavallini. And, you know, like you say, no, I, I, I actually do really like that now that I'm thinking about it. I'm not going to change mine, but I, 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 I like it. But I, you know, the, the meme is like, I like this, but this is much better. Okay. Yeah, well, see, I wouldn't be doing my job right if I wasn't able to talk someone into at least Thanks. seeing my idea. Yeah, no, no. The more I think about it, I think that's a, that would be a very good role for Cavallini too. If White needs a rest, if something were to happen to him, if they need a guy in the last 20 minutes, there's no one, there'd be no one better coming off the bench in the league than Lucas Cavallini. So, and, and it's unfortunate, Ben, because we can't be down there at the San Diego games. It was a great insight yeah. last week on the show, having Sarita Patel, who is down there. So she was able to kind of give us a little bit of what's going on. But until we actually get to see things at BC Place, we're not going to be able to get a full assessment of how the squad's kind of really gelling together and, and taking on that new identity that Vanny Sartini gets to imprint on his team in his first full season as head coach. Yeah, and there's a lot going on around the team as well in terms of position battles and what we're looking for. So with the completion of our somewhat predicted, somewhat hopeful starting 11s, uh, storylines-wise, there's a lot going on. This team came... The really nothing to something sort of uh, story last year, last place to the playoffs. And, you know, you guys all know the story. One or two storylines that I'm looking for, they're both player battles. Um, and the first one, we just kind of mentioned it there, how Cavallini and White are going to play together or how that striker dynamic is going to work. If it is, one or the other or if it's both how reliable is that how durable is that plan that's something i've kind of got my eye on all is their each individual performance their performance as a tandem their performance with one without the other and the role that each of them play because it's a long season we all know the travel 
if you're not used to it, it's definitely something that weighs heavy on a lot of players that, you know, they've got the summer window. There's 34 games. Correct me if I'm something like 30, 34 regular season games. Sounds good. So yeah, there's, there's a lot going on and it's a long, long season. So for two kind of MLS starting 11 quality strikers in Cava and White, it's going to be interesting to see how much they use each option of one without the other, how they play together, how one plays, like you say, if gold starts up front or if they, we've seen obviously Dahomey play striker at parts of last season, if they move him up front, how they use the Cavallini and White tandem is going to be something that I've really got my eye on this year. I would 100% agree. And something that I kind of have my eye on is something we mentioned when we first started our our starting 11s is just what are we going to get out of the back three? Because I think the competition just between the the four players, Ranko, Flo, Blackman, and Godoy, they're all going to be pushing each other. If, you know, Florian Jungwirth kind of jokingly mentioned, I said, oh, hopefully, you know, it's all friendly at training camp between you guys and your competition. He says, no, it's a business. And he laughed. (laughs) I'll interrupt you for one quick second because this is an interesting question that just came into my head and I've got, I've got an answer. I'll be, and I'll give you a minute to think of yours. Out of all of those players that you mentioned that could play center back in that back three, is there any that you can say for sure you're a day one starter that for sure the other five, six guys are going to be fighting for the other two spots that you hear are for sure starter. Is there anyone out of those six-ish names that you can say 100% you're a lock to start? I don't even need a minute. I, I would say that Florian Jungworth is is the, the lock. Mm-hmm. I think that you can kind of interchange pieces. Ranko like, is still really, really young. I think people forget that sometimes. You know, obviously Blackman's an MLS veteran, a little bit older, but Godoy, again, still young. Jake Norinsky, still young and still kind of learning that center back position. You know, he's been a, what position hasn't Jake played? I think he was, wasn't he a striker? He was the king of the six for a little bit, but. uh, (laughs) Six God, as as Seb would say. (laughs) Yeah, no, I think that uh, Florian Youngworth would be my lock. And then other than that, I wouldn't see any problems with rotating you know, three, four of those players in the other two positions. I've got one and a half locks. Okay. Jungworth. That doesn't make sense, but it does. It does. Because it is how it's going to make sense. Jungworth is going to be, I I agree with you, Flo. We saw the impact. First off, the most, one of the most likable guys that if just, you could see the impact he's, he has on the squad every game day, every practice, every training session. You can always hear him. You can always see him. He's always dancing and say, he is, he's hands down, likable-wise, for that reason alone, he's a, a lock before we even talk about his play on the field. His, his FIFA likability stat is 100. Exactly. Yeah. My half lock is Ranko Veselinovic. Because here's, here's my thinking. You've got Godoy, who's been with the team for a few years now, but we know injury-wise, he hasn't always been the most consistent, and that's not his fault. Flo is new to the team. Ranko, this is his third season already. Uh, yeah. And 
I think something that is worth looking at is Thomas Assault, his his leadership and his communication. I feel like some that's going to, and I've mentioned this before when we've spoken about the Max Crapaud uh, trade, that's where we're going to see the biggest drop off is the organization, the communication, the leadership. That's where we're going to see the drop off. And out of those players, I know you've got the likes of Jake Nowinski, who's been around. I know Tristan Blackman's new to the team. I know Godoy has been around for some time. Ranko Veselinovic, when they brought him in, he was 19 years old and he was the captain at his former club at 19 years old. And a member of the Serbian national uh, uh, team. Exactly. I think for someone so young and who's been with the team for two, I'll I'll say two full seasons because he was was brought in before MLS is back. So I'm going to call that a full season. Uh, Two full seasons with the squads. I, I just think that... In terms of stability, someone who you know that is going to be tough, who's going to be very strong in the air, who's going to be organized, I get the most organization. I get the most Max Cropo qualities in a center back out of Ranko compared to anyone on that list. So he's my half just because I feel like in that sense, you can't take him out. But talent-wise and his ability on the field, I'd love to see Blackman. And again, I'm not all too familiar with Blackman. I've seen clips. I've seen stats, but I haven't sat down and analyzed him for 90 minutes after 90 minutes. That's something that is going to come with time for me on Blackman. Nowitzki is a center back. He was a very good fit for last year when called upon as a natural center back to be a lock to start every game. I can't guarantee that. So I thought I was going to be very hesitant on your point five for a while. Yeah. But hearing it, and hearing it be Ranko, and then obviously you giving your analysis of it and why you think it'd be Ranko, I 100% agree. And I'll, I'll let you know of a story that Flo, you know, told us today at media. I asked him, you know, what did you get up to in San Diego on your days off? Because obviously you're in San Diego, you're minutes away from Torrey Pines, you can go surfing. Where naturally Ryan Gold went to Tory Pines. I saw naturally, his Instagram. I saw yeah, the, that as well. The wee Scotsman. Yes. Um, <laughs> surfing, you know, you hold a beach is is right there. And so I asked uh, what Flo, what he did. He said him and uh, Ranko played tennis. Okay. And I know that they're very close mm-hmm. on and off the pitch. Uh, somebody that Flo kind of uh, gravitated towards when he first joined the club was Ranko. And I've joked around with Ranko off the record about him and his relationship with with Flo. So I, I could see that because something that the Whitecaps will be missing this year, and Thomas Assal mentioned it himself when you asked him about, you know, things that he needs to improve upon when he joined us on the on the show here on 90 Plus Podcast, that his his you know distribution and communication was something that was still in the works. And, and that's something that veterans develop over time. And the relationship that Ranko and Flo have, I think that you, you've, you're kind of seeing it already. And I think it could provide a little bit of an ease and, and help out Thomas Assal in, in goal um, if they are running the two, those two out of two of their back three. So we mentioned the strikers is what I've got. I'm very excited to see how Fanny and the coaching staff divvy up the workload and the combinations. You're looking at the back line 
midfield, we've mentioned it. We spoke a lot <laughs> about it last episode. We spoke a lot about it. And plus, someone who we haven't really mentioned at all today, someone that the Whitecaps only <laughs> just recently brought in, Seb Berhalter, again, to play that sort of six role in behind Wusu, Baldy, you know, whatever the combination is, Berhalter's a nice safety blanket there. So that's it's worth mentioning that. Um, and I think the midfields, just to kind of quickly touch on before we move on to our awards predictions. Um, yeah, I, I think that there's a lot obviously going on there. And I think what we see day one is really going to be telling of the trust that Danny Sartini has in a couple of players like a Baldissimo, like an Owusu. We know what Ryan Gold can do and anywhere he goes on the field, he's going to be successful. So I feel like what we see day one is going to be very, very telling to some of the stuff that we haven't seen in preseason. And Ben, I'm going to even go one further on that. I'm going to say, don't just look at the starting 11 on day one. I'm going to say, look at the 20. I'm going to say, look at the entire 20 because that's going to give you kind of a rough idea of who has done the work at training camp and who has done the work when it doesn't count, when the, when the goals don't matter, when you have to put in those work in, in the drills and, and beat your man. Because that's that's what Vanny Sartini really appreciates. And I, and I think that's going to give us a, a really good glimpse of how this 2022 season is going to go. So at the end of the day, there are winners, there are losers. Award winners for the club, always a, a big honor uh, for each respective individual. And us as media, we get to vote on a couple of them, the likes of Golden Boot. That's not really up to us, uh, but <laughs> it, it would be great though. And I'm telling you, Thomas Asal, if you're listening, I'm coming for you at that media cup. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> awards wise, there's a lot to look forward to. Any you want to start with in particular? Or do you want to go for the big one right out the gates? Well, we can start with the with the big one right out of the gates. I wonder if we both have the exact same person. I went with the the Vancouver Whitecaps biggest acquisition last year. The the person that they've been searching and longing for for years and years. I think the MVP is going to be Ryan Gold in a full season. Wrong. Christian Dahomey is going to have a stellar year. He's going to put the league on notice with whichever side he plays on the left or the right. I think his service into the box is going to be phenomenal. I think his play off the ball is going to be phenomenal. I think he's He's the number one penalty taker on the squads, and we saw we've seen how efficient he can be from the spot. It's I can just see him getting pushing forward, like joining rushes late and getting in behind the last line of defense when everyone's looking at gold and there's extra attention on Cavallini and White and they're fearing the long shot. And Christian Dahomey is the little cherry on top just to sprinkle in that offense. So I've got Christian Dahomey as MVP and Golden Boot winner as well. Okay, so we can agree on Golden Boot winner because okay, I have okay. Dahomey as Golden Boot winner. Agree with the PK taker, but I think that what we're going to see and why I have Ryan Gall as my MVP is I think that it's going to be Gold finding him, going down the side. Dahomey is going to beat one person and the two defenders back there are going to be like, wait, so do we either choose to break off from 
Lucas Cavallini and Brian White or Ryan Gold, depending on whatever formation they're running, yep. and attack Dahomey, or do we just sit in our position? I think Dahomey is just going to burn it up for goals this year. Excellent. I could see him getting, I could see him getting sixteen or more mm-hmm. goals. My favorite award, the Unsung Hero Award. Let me. I'll, I'll hear yours first. My unsung hero this year is going to be one that Whitecaps fans, a position we were so nervous about going into the year. We lost someone we loved, but a new hero will step up and Thomas Hassall will be the Vancouver Whitecaps unsung hero. I've, I, I, he, it was a top, it was a coin flip for me. I was very, uh, strung out between Thomas Assal and who will win the unsung award uh, come the end of the season is Leonard Owusu. And oh. that's going to stem from him step in, at least in my little simulation of the Whitecaps season of him playing further up the pitch than you have him. That connection with gold and him being a, a wrecking ball as well as good on the ball as well both sides of the coin he's going to do a lot of work he's going to take a big step forward this year i think and i've got leo owusu as my unsung hero uh, doing a lot know. of the dirty work he doing know. a lot of the dirty work ben i don't know if i can buy this one and, and since we have voting on this if, if all of a sudden leonard owusu comes in the finals for uh, unsung hero i don't know where it came from but <laughs> if, if he is unsung hero then the white cats have probably had a pretty good year on the pitch We'll get to our expectations, uh, season expectations, uh, after... Uh, I, I've, I didn't know if you added this one or not, but I had the Whitecaps promising, most promising male player. I didn't know if you had this one, but I'm a big fan of him. It's not Javane Brown, because I was looking at it, and I was thinking, as someone who became a first-team starter in his rookie season, who was the second pick the team took in the draft... I, I don't think he could be promising this year. I think last year promising hands down, yeah. even though he didn't win it. Um, <laughs> but I've gone for Cameron Habibula. I think someone that he coming off the bench would be in the last 10 minutes of the game early in the season, he's going to prove himself. He's going to establish more and more playing time throughout the season. And in my little simulation where Russell Tybert's the left mids and you've got Caicedo and Raposo on the right, Vite in the middle, you've got only really Guti as that left-sided player apart from Cam Habibula. And I've been a big fan of him. I think on the ball, technically, he's excellent. I think uh, awareness-wise and that sort of footballing IQ is going to come with just more playing time. So I'm uh, tipping my cap for Habibula for most promising. I'm going to go with a super draft pick from last year. Oh, yes. But I'm not going to go with the first pick by the Whitecaps. I'm going to go with uh, David Egbo. I think that he's going to get He was some... the first pick. David Egbo went first. Brown went second. Oh, Brown went second. Okay. They were both in the first rounds. They were both in the first rounds. That's right. Yes. Yes. But yes, no, I love that. And I'm telling you, I last year I was very high on Egbo and I was very upset when he went out on loan. I know it was for his own goods and to get minutes. And I know he did pretty okay down in, a, uh, I think, it was, was it Phoenix Rising? It was Phoenix Rising, Yeah, right? Phoenix Rising. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he, he, he did well down there. I think 
this and I, I've only made it to one training session so far this preseason, and I was more than happy and excited with what we I saw from David Egbo. I think he's going to be a real option coming off the bench. And if Toss isn't re-signed, or even I could see Egbo stepping up in front of Toss uh, through it, like in the second half of the season, I I really like that pick for Egbo. Um, I'm a big, big fan of his as well. And I think he's going to have a very big future. And if the Vancouver Whitecaps are running two at the top. You're looking at the depth chart. And even with Ryan Gold as a striker, then Egbo's, what, fifth, fourth, if he beats out Tosain Ricketts. Yeah. So you know he's going to be getting some minutes. Mm-hmm. And I think that he's going to take full advantage of it. And he seems like a player, he, it's not prompted in any of the media so far in training camp and preseason. But David Egbo's name just keeps coming up. Nobody, nobody's asking about it, but Vanny's starting. Well, David Egbo's, you know, he looks really good up top. Well, we didn't ask about David Egbo, but obviously you're noticing him because you keep wanting to bring him up. So mm-hmm. I, I think that he uh, could be the Vancouver Whitecaps most promising player in 2022. That is a great pick. I love that, Josh. I really do. Um, I believe that's all the awards. Um unless I'm missing, there's the humanitarian of the year, but that's kind of tough to predict. If Toss comes yeah, back. I think there's go- a, I'm sure they'll add a, a couple other ones. Yeah, but I there. think those are the main ones that... Yeah, those are the ones that matter and people can per- can look back after the, the season yeah. happened and, uh, and see how accurate we were with our predictions. Well, as we wrap up episode 62, we've got the last big question and... We'll break this down before we wrap up the show and move on to episode 63 next week. Keep in mind that we're going to aim to have the episode 63 early to mid next week. And we're going to have a game preview uh, later on in the week that will hopefully come out Friday, possibly Saturday morning, a quick little 20 ish, 30 minute segment. Uh, We'll bring on a reporter covering Columbus. We'll chat with them. So that's just a reminder that we're going to do those bigger sort of just me and Josh uh, game recaps early in the week. And then we'll release a smaller sized episode where we have a bit more focus on the upcoming game with a different reporter uh, closer to game day. So that's something to keep in mind. We do have a big episode next week as well. That's that's our full season preview. That's our big one. Um, But the season expectations and what in our eyes, the white caps are going to be able to accomplish in 2022. I'm going to quote the, the masterful and always wise Vanny Sartini who um, yeah, I've, I've going for a second round playoff loss. He said it himself that this is a very cool, uh, a quality team. They saw the form they caught at the end of the last season. He said they obviously want to progress and continue to build on that success. He said, naturally, his, his bar is the second round. And I believe him. I think this is a team that with a full under, season under Sartini, with Ryan Gold there for a full season, with Brian White there for a full season, with all these options coming off the bench and they're not playing in Utah, they're not playing in Portland or Orlando, they're at home. I'm saying that they're going to be a lot more successful in the regular season. We won't have as much as a heart attack when we see that if we see them in last place in the, uh, in the summer, but no, I've got them making the playoffs and narrowly getting a first round win uh, to lose in the second round. 
Hey, I have them doing very well. I have them getting top three in oh. the in the MLS Western Conference. I just I think that the moves that some of the other bigger teams that were ahead of them last year, nobody's really made splashes. It's not like you, you've seen the East. Okay, the East has made some improvements. Yeah. But the West... Uh... What I like about the, 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 the difference between the East and the West is that the heavyweights in the West are so are better than the heavyweights in the East, but there's so much more in that like upper echelon of teams in the East. You've got realistically like eight teams that could finish anywhere in the top eight and it wouldn't be a surprise for any of them whereas in the west you've got your likes of seattle portland you know lafc's got to be tipped as one of those now and sort of colorado like maybe, colorado maybe colorado like colorado's like pushing it but i think really after those those initial like heavyweights are out of the way there's a lot more there's a there's a bit more of a jump but i think there's a lot more viable options in the west fighting for those fourth through to seventh playoff places i think there's so much mediocrity in the in the western conference i think so too like, once you, you once you, you take the top teams out i think i think there's really a level playing field before you think, see a, a significant drop off and i think the top in the west has kind of even dropped like it is is portland and seattle as good as they were last year I'd say maybe Seattle. They've made some contract extensions and they brought in, uh, what was the guy they brought in from, I think, Real Salt Lake? Um, oh, gosh. I'm escape- the name's escaping me, but I-, I think Seattle, yes. Portland, I could see them, uh, especially with, um, uh, who just retired from, I'm so out of date with the rest of the league. <laughs> and, like, someone, someone's like, some people are gone. Some people are new. I don't really know. They're all in green. I get confused. <laughs> we're not Googling, We're not Googling on podcast. Don't do that. No, people. no. Oh, uh, yeah. so, no, we'll, we'll have to, we'll, well, I guess we'll, we'll go with that with our, our season uh, massive yeah. preview. So, so more minds on, but I, I think top three, I, I could see them. Yeah. See them going to the second round. I think they're going to have two, home games i think things are going to work out like that and they're just going to they're going to run into a really hot team in the second round but they're really going to send things off as as axel schuster and the whitecaps organization has kind of been trying to do before the pandemic hit so give me a position where are the whitecaps finishing at the end of the regular season in the western conference third in the west i'm going to go for fifth I think they're narrowly going to miss out on fourth in that home playoff game, but I think they're still going to be able to get by on the roads and welcome a team to BC Place, hopefully. I'm going to, I see, I'm going Seattle number one, I'm going LAFC number two. I'm thinking the Whitecaps can sneak into that three ahead of, you know, the likes of Minnesota, Colorado, Portland, who mm. kind of all have their questions. I mean, I can't see Colorado repeating I the season that they did last year. I can't either. I could. Possibly Minnesota and possibly like Portland and Minnesota. I would say the Whitecaps are knocking on the door of being, and I think we really just need to see the results on the field to say that they're in that kind of caliber of a small step down from, you know, the really the top teams. I think they're knocking on that door of being in that, that second group. The fun thing is that we're not going to have any idea about nope. <laughs> any of the positions for like five weeks into the MLS season, just because yeah. with the, them playing, you know, East Coast teams. I mean, and... four of their first five games of the year are on the roads. 
Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a, a tough way to open the season when such a big part of it is we're home, we're back, we're playing a full season at BC Place. Yay. And then, yeah, not quite. Anyway, that is going to do it for episode 62. We'll be back next week. Uh, we're working on a couple of interviews, a couple of guests. It's going to be a big one regardless of who we get because me and Josh are going to be there. And at the end of the day, who doesn't love that? Josh, thank you very much for joining us here on episode 62. Any plans for the week? You're celebrating your LA Rams. I didn't want to go a full episode without congratulating you on your LA Rams winning the, uh, the big game. No, I recovered yesterday. I'm glad that we don't record on a Monday because I was uh, was nowhere able to do any recording. I was quite happy, just kind of relinquished in the fact that uh, my Rams are Super Bowl champions. So that's been good this week. It's going to be busy, obviously, with the Whitecaps wrapping up their, their San Diego preseason and returning home. So exciting for that. And Lots of, of other sports always in the works at the Sports Talkline Network. Exactly. 90 Plus brought to you by the Sports Talkline Network. You can find us on social media at Rigetti Ben and at Joshua Griffith Zero. You can find the podcast on Instagram and Twitter at 90 Plus Podcast. Nice and easy. We'll be back next week for our full season breakdown. And then we'll be back early uh, in the weekend as well. Right ahead of the first game of the MLS regular season for your 2022 Vancouver Whitecaps. Talk to you guys next week. Thanks for listening to the 90 plus podcast, part of the sports talk line network.